guys, welcome back to The Right Type. In today's episode, I speak with Lila Lee, author of the Mindy Kim series and I'll Be The One. We discuss her unconventional journey into publishing, starting in eighth grade, and we also talk about K-pop and K-dramas, and I had such a lovely time talking with her, and I think you'll enjoy this episode. So Lila, just tell us everything about you and where you're from, where you live, and your books. Hi, I'm Lila Lee. I am the author of the Mindy Kim series and also I'll Be The One, which comes out in June 16th of this year. And I currently live in Dallas, Texas, but I moved around, I was born in Korea and lived in, in California, Florida, and Texas. Uh, and so I, I consider myself a Korean American and I also, am also bisexual. So I um, take both of my, I um, take things from both of my experiences to uh, write my books. Thank you. Could you just take us through your publication journey? Um, tell us if it was particularly difficult, especially because you're obviously a woman of color. Okay, so my journey is pretty non-traditional because I can already see people like, listening in being like, oh wow, it took her that long. Because I, well I first started writing books when I was in fourth grade, so that was 16 years ago. And um, I didn't finish my uh, book until eighth grade, so four years later that after that. And so when I was in eighth grade, I was super ambitious, like the slitter and I am. And I was like, you know, um, so we had this uh, opportunity to um, kind of have like a research project where we could like choose anything in the world's research uh, as long as we dedicate 40 hours to uh, study it. And the goal was to become an expert in it and also like present about it in the class. And so me being the ambitious uh, little precocious eighth grader was, was like, well, you know what, since I want to be a writer, I'm going to research the publication journey and the publishing industry. Uh, so I basically researched that for homework. And so what ended up happening was I, by the end of eighth grade, I had finished my first novel and I queried the agents for the first time. Um, and so, it, I mean, it didn't go well because I didn't know how to revise. And then, I, I mean, my query letter was decent. I got like, uh, I think I got a pretty good full request rate. So, um, which, which I mean means that the query is good. Um, but obviously my writing was not um, that great because I was still a teenage writer and I was just starting out. Um, and so, even though I, I, I didn't get me anywhere, it was a good uh, opportunity for me to uh, get my foot forward. Um, and after that, I think I wrote, probably wrote and tried to publish five other books, if I'm not, at least five, I, I lost count. Um, so I would just write it, query it, see what happens, and just like did that for, let me see, nine, ten for like five years after that. So I, I was in the court trenches for, um, not not five, like more like eight. So it, it was just a very long process. And also I, I didn't like always write books. I um, was focused on school because I was a student. Um, and I eventually got my first, I got my agent uh, the summer after I graduated from college. Um, and, that, and I thought that would be it. But obviously, publishing is that's just the beginning. Um, so what ended up happening is, I so my agent and I uh, went on sub with my book that I got. Uh, my, I signed my agent with, 
and but then that one I think we got close we got into acquisitions but it kind of um kind of died <laughs> and then I I tried again um by um and by writing our R&R advice we submit that did not work out either uh tried writing another YA contemporary um and that was die on sub and it just like I just like um so as an Asian woman writer I feel like it's definitely well that's definitely challenging because a lot of my stories um the types of rejections I got like as a as a querying author or like a um author of submission was like feedback like from especially like white editors that said that said things like oh we couldn't relate to the story or we couldn't relate to the characters and it was just very thinly built like you know like because you know we're not asian we can't understand what this character is um going through um so like that happened and I, I think I wrote like two more books after that. Um, it was just so so many so much writing, so much like not knowing. Like I was actually I was actually going to quit writing because I was just so like like my parents were like telling me to like apply to grad school, like um go study computer science, and then like not 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 even like they wanted me to go back to college to get a degree in computer science because they were like, oh your psychology degree is being useless. And so, I mean, with TLDR, what happened was, like, after all that, in 2018, so that was, like, a full, like, almost 10 years of my querying and, like, submitting journey, that's when I first got my book deal for Mindy Kim. And that happened early, I think, if I remember, if I remember this correctly, it was early 2018. And then later that same year, in the summer of fall, I got my book deal for Abuda One. So it's been like quite a journey because after that, uh both sold uh, on auction in a matter of days, which is wild because before then I was on sub for like several months. And um I mean Abuda One also like went I guess into auction Hollywood. So, uh so that was very <laughs> interesting as well. That's such a cool wild journey. Um <laughs> That like an eighth grader was, um, that's like, I think year nine for us. I'm not sure. I think, yeah, it is, which is kind of like 13, 14 years old. Um, that's just so crazy that you were already querying and already knew so much about the publishing industry. Uh, what advice would you give to people that are, especially people of color that are querying and going on submission and getting these rejections that are definitely thinly veiled microaggressions? Um, what would you say to them about like persevering? Um, I think I'd have, I'd give two pieces of advice. One is to prioritize self-care because, like, for me, personally, it was a, a very, it was very much a, um, what do you call it, like, a learning process where, like, I was, had no idea what I was doing, I had no idea if I was going to make it, and, and then like, sometimes I just, like, got so depressed that, like, I couldn't even read books for fun. And so I had a lot of lows, and I feel like if I had just, like, like, kind of taken time to, like, take care of my, to take care of myself better, um, I would have had a much, like, smoother journey. Um, so definitely prioritize self-care. Remember that healthy writers, uh, are able to write, uh, lots of books. The whole myth of the troubled artist is, like, you should just, like, destroy it, because if you're suffering, 
then like I mean your art is good but you shouldn't have to suffer for that um and also like it's really tough as like a like I guess for any POC author uh in the industry so it's all it's also very important to be there for yourself and to just like persevere and and make sure you have enough energy to persevere because it's not it's definitely not like an easy journey um so that's, that's, so that's my first uh, advice and my second advice is like um have a lot of, have either have uh i mean if you have both that, that's great but either have a um agent of color uh who understands where you're coming from and um uh, and, and, and understands the microaggressions uh and also have uh, like wider friends who are also people of color um, because for me, what, what really, like, helped me was, like, my agent's Korean, uh, half Korean American, so, like, she and I, like, <laughs> never we got rejections like that, like, the whole, like, we can't relate, we, we could, like, always, like, talk and be, like, she dumb, able to commiserate with me, and I feel like that was valuable to my experience because it just made me feel less alone, and also I had my writer friends who were also POC that, like, I could also, like, talk to, so that would help me as well. That's such amazing advice. I really agree. I think that um, if you can't get an agent of colour, especially because there's not many of them, because the industry is just awful um, for people of colour to get into at any level, um, definitely, like, writers of colour, like, writer friends of colour, they're just so invaluable to have with you because you feel kind of seen and your, like, experiences feel seen as well. When I was on submission, I remember we'd get, like, um, some submission, like, rejections that would say really, really weird stuff as well. And my agent is, like, white, but, um, she kind of was like, what's going on here? That's this really weird, uh, like, response. And I was like, yeah, it's racism. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could you tell us, because, obviously, um, you're Korean, and your first book, or books, because the series, Mindy Kim, isn't really about, um, like, K-pop or anything like that, but it's about Korean culture. Um, but your, your YA is about K, uh, K-pop and um, kind of the music industry in Korea. I'd love to know, uh, firstly, what are your three favourite K-dramas? So my favorite Korean drama of all time is definitely Goblin. And that's because when I was growing up, I watched a wide variety of Korean dramas, whether they be historical, fantasy, and contemporary. And I feel like Goblin is one of those few dramas that seamlessly blends in those three genres very well. Um, and just the world building is so well done. And so the characters are so good. And they even have a solid reincarnation plot, which a lot of K-dramas don't do well. Um, other than that, I really loved Queen's Handak. And Queen's Handak is definitely one of the few um, feminist Korean historical dramas out there. And it's about a real-life uh, queen in Korean history. Um, she's one of the f- few known female rulers uh in korean history and and it's just very fascinating because it goes from her childhood to her rise to power and queen sunduk in general is one of those historical figures that are like immortalized and also like kind of seen as legendary almost so the show also incorporates a lot of like magical mystical elements that you'd read in the stories about the queen 
last but not least, I really enjoyed uh, What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. Um, I feel like it's really hard to make a contemporary K-drama stick out. And even though the premise of it, like, it's about this, like, really rich guy um, who's the head of the company, and he kind of inadvertently finds himself falling in love with his secretary, which seems, like, weird, but they make it so it's not weird and creepy at all. And these two have have, have a genuine connection. And the show also, like, kind of delves into, like, childhood trauma and psychology in, like, a very brilliant way. So as someone who uh, comes from a psychology background, I definitely appreciated the character development in that show as well. That's so cool. I've actually never watched any of those, and I've watched so many. Um, uh-huh. I, I really want to watch Goblin because everyone says it's going to, like, break your heart and I love being heartbroken um yeah but I I love k-dramas and I love uh I used to listen to k-pop and I've been like I've been really into k-dramas since I was like 10 years old um so it's been like 12 years now that I've been into them and um I've watched a lot like you but like I'm mostly contemporary my favorite one that I'd say that I have to have like in my heart because I watched it when I was also middle school aged was um Boys Over Flowers um it's so basic uh, like because everybody watches it and everything but I just loved Boys Over Flowers so much it was just so I don't know it was just so dramatic and swoony and I loved Lee Min Ho and um I can't remember the other guy's name is, but he got into a big scandal, so I can't like him anymore. Um, but yeah, I really loved that one. What are your favorite K-pop artists and their best songs? Uh, favorite K-pop artists and their best songs. I really like Tommy. Tommy is like she's very like artistic. I think she's like the closest thing like K-pop has to like Lady Gaga, where like she's like not afraid to like put out really weird videos, and it's like and then a lot of her videos are kind of disturbing, but in a way that like are provocative so i can't wait to choose some of these songs though um i, I think I'll, i'm gonna pick up Kashina because that's like the song that like made me fall in love with her in the first place um and then i also really like um Chung-ha, uh who i mentioned i'll be the one uh, and her my favorite song for her is gotta go and um what else? Who else? Ailey's definitely a favorite. And Ailey, um, You and I is one of my favorite songs by her. Um, two more. Oh, BTS definitely. I mean, BTS, I feel like I just love, uh, I just, BTS is one of those ba- uh, groups that, like, I, uh, like, I, I had like, had a period. So basically, like, for me and K-pop, like, I used to really be, be uh, into K-pop in middle school, and like uh, or when D- DBSK was active, like the five member group. So I grew up with DBSK, but then like they kind of split, and then like I was heartbroken, and like um, I kind of fell out of K-pop. And so even though I wasn't really into K-pop, I was like just still very aware of K-pop because I'm Korean. Also, like I keep track of like what's popular in Korea. So throughout high school and college. I would just hear about these different bands, like EXO, Shiny, like I'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I mean, I still remember, like, I vivid, I still vividly remember, like, when I was in college, um, um, I I was like, I think this was like this was like um, 2015, 2014. Um, I, I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember exactly when, when, but I basically like remember like I was sitting at like this like chicken uh, chicken restaurant. 
two, uh, fried chicken place in like LA, and I, I was watching uh, the fire music video of, of BTS, and like I could never like thought that. I mean, I just remember thinking that they were like kind of like weird, like not and uh, unconventional because they are also like like kind of like some mean. They're not really afraid to be weird, but like I, and so I remember thinking like, oh, they stick out. And so, but I didn't really expect them to blow up like they did now. So I feel like just watching the journey has been like very interesting as well. Uh, favorite BTS song probably um, "Idol" because "Idol" is a song that like really pumps me up, and then it's also very Korean, and they use like Korean traditional instruments, and like also the dances are uh, some of the moves are like very traditional Korean. Um, and last one, last K-pop group, um, I guess BPSK, even though they're not really, like, active or, like, whole anymore, like, uh, because I think they were my favorite childhood K-pop group, and, um, uh, my favorite BPSK song, probably Purple Line, because that was a song that I, that got me all, like, hyped up in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Like, um, I really love Sunmi as well. She's so, I don't know, she's really, like, different from everyone, I feel. She's very outspoken on LGBT. Um, She's really cool. She reminds me of Lady Gaga as well. Um, Her and Hyanna, definitely. They're both very, like, they're women that don't really care what you think about them and they're very outspoken on issues they care about. And then BTS as well, obviously. They're so big. I'm actually not that surprised they blew up because they're, they're so talented, but also... um. I feel like from the beginning, I always noticed that the reason a lot of bands break up is because like a lot of the people are not genuinely friends um, and they don't genuinely kind of love what they do. They're kind of being forced by these big companies to do a lot of things. But I think Big Hit are kind of different from other companies. They're very, very like, they kind of work with BTS because that was the only band for a very long time. And so they both, I just think they respect them and vice versa so i think that's why it probably worked out better than other bands that have had to break up or just are not happy um yeah but thank you so much for sharing um i love a lot of those options as well so the next question is if your main characters sky and henry could be in any existing uh k-pop group who would they choose or who would you choose for them um i would say henry for sure bts because like um he would just fit right in. And then Sky, um, I don't think I'd place him in a group. I feel like I, if I was a producer, I'd make her debut as like a solo, solo artist. But I feel like she'd definitely collab well with like Ailey or Sunmi or so any of those three. Because those were, those three um, artists were, that were my main, main inspiration for Sky. So I feel like, I feel like she'd fit right in with those three. I love Ailey so much. They call her the Korean Beyonce. Her voice is so powerful and she's just yeah. so talented. Um, but that's really cool. I can imagine Henry in BTS. <laughs> and um, what inspired you to write both I'll Be The One and the Mindy Kim series? So Mindy Kim, uh, uh, basically I was inspired by my own childhood because when I was uh, in, second, in second grade, actually no, third grade, I moved from Florida, from California to Florida, and in California, like, I, like, had a lot of Asian friends and didn't really feel out, out of place, like, even though I, I immigrated there, 
Um, I feel like the most cultural shock I had was the language, but besides that, I was like, eh, Asian friends, I have Korean friends here too, I have Chinese friends here too. Um, so it wasn't going to be that much of a cultural shock, but in third grade, when I moved to Florida, and I lived in like the northeastern part of Florida, which well, everyone who lives in Florida knows that it's like the very rural, very like, you know, like small town, townish part of Florida. Um, so yeah, and so that in that in my my town, there weren't that many that weren't. I guess I, I think I was like one of three Asian kids in the entire school, um, and, and there might be more. I don't I don't remember any of anymore. But um, so like, I just remember like being a really big culture shock because like we my family and I like uh, would like walk around people's stairs. And then, like, if you watch uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is about a, a Chinese American family that actually, I think, I think he also like anyone. I, I think I feel like that family also lived in the same or around the same area because because we were both around Orlando. So it's kind of cool how there's that overlap. But anyway, so um, it was basically like me writing about uh, the the culture shock of moving to like an all-white neighborhood and also like uh when I was in school I got bullied for being like Korean like uh a lot of kids like I, I still remember I don't remember much about fourth grade like about third grade but I still remember vividly uh this instance where like these uh group of children this group of children like circled me around in the playground and they pulled their eyes and slits and they just called me like Chinese eyed, Chinese eyed, and like just like, you know. Um, so I feel like that was like kind of a traumatic experience, but um, the, the happy ending, the, luckily, um, I was still able to become their friends like later um, in the school year. And I feel like the whole experience of like, um, being the, one of the only Asian kids in school really inspired me to write Mindy Kim because I feel like Mindy is a character that I would have definitely like wanted um, as a kid. Um, and then I'll be the one uh, was inspired by a lot of things. Uh, so I think the um, so like one of the source of inspiration is that like when I was when I was three I was fat shamed into quitting ballet and so I would I'd always think about like what would have happened if I wasn't fat shamed into quitting um and um, which is wild because I'm not really plus size now but I think Korean standards of beauty are so messed up that like even if you're not if if you're like basically anything built uh above a size six or eight people to call you fat so like um i definitely grew up with like um a lot of like fat shaming and also like not just me but like i feel like asian american women in general um experience that no matter what size they are so i feel like i wanted to write a book about like body positivity specifically in the asian american context um for other asian american like women and teenagers who go through similar things um but also, but in, uh, on the more fun side of things, um, I, also, I, I coincidentally know a lot of people in K-pop. Like, I, uh, my uncle 
uh, when I was in middle school, he like got into this Korean music competition and he won. And I still remember like it was one of those those summers I was in Korea and like my mom was like, "We're gonna go watch your, your uncle perform." And I was like, "Huh? Why?" And then she was like, "Yeah, he's like in this competition." So like I was in like what sixth grade, seventh grade back then. So like we just like randomly went to see my uncle perform and he, he randomly won. Uh, but I mean things didn't work out with for him because he was too old. But like. Uh, I also have a family friend who, um, he was, I think he grew up in uh, Orange County, like Sky in Abu Dhabi, and he also, like, won a K-pop competition, um, right out of high school, except for him, he, like, made it big, and, um, so he's still active right now in the, in the industry, so I actually got to meet him while I was, while I was working on this book, and, and talk to him about, like, his experiences, and so that definitely inspired me to write Sky. I mean, Sky Guy, and, and that inspired me to write Abu Dhabi as well. That's so cool. And um, it's really sad because, um, like, you see kind of um, Asian kids, especially in the West, kind of getting um, bullied by people. And then these days, in present times, people are now, everything they bullied them for, they're now kind of appropriating. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very interesting the way things have, like, shifted. Um, right. And I mean, people are still being bullied, but like it's kind of like a cognitive dissonance. People are bullying people, but also taking the culture yeah. for them for themselves. I, I still remember like when the K K barbecue first became popular. I still remember being so confused because like in like Korea, it's just like barbecue meat, and I remember like uh, people like not knowing much about it when I was a kid. But like now, you have like what like Korean barbecue flavored like fried chicken uh flavors or like sauces and like random american like restaurants and stuff so it's very curious how it that is. happened but it's so cool to see um some success happening like with parasite for example uh winning the oscar and mm-hmm. seeing bts um become the biggest boy band in the world um there's so much more that we need to do obviously because still asian americans are not like getting jobs in hollywood um, and it's just like there's so much more that needs to be done but it's nice seeing that there is like appreciation um, of Korean culture to some extent if you could be in any K-pop group which would you choose? Uh, uh, if I could BTS of course just like because I know I mean because it's BTS but, uh, for, but I know like, they're not really like you know like good so I would if we're an all-female group definitely like Mamamoo because they're just so interesting and like their songs are so quirky and weird so I feel like I'd fit right in <laughs> yeah I love Mamamoo so much they're so cool I love their song Dekakamani it was so good um, yeah yeah I love them and they're kind of like not con- they're what do you call it they're not conventional either they're like right. they have like a, a person that is considered plus size in the group their vocals are different from other people's in K-pop and stuff so it's just really interesting and the last question is Tell us three things we can expect from reading I'll Be The One. Three things. Um, one would be um, very dramatic uh, competition stakes and um, competition drama because uh, I, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been seeing reviews that like, uh, so um, I don't mean to compliment my, I, I don't mean to compliment my own writing, but 
I've seen reviews where people said that I achieved it, which I'm very relieved that I did. But basically, I watched a bunch of co- uh, Korean co- competition um, shows just to like kind of like get the flow and the pattern of like how those shows work. Um, I also grew up like watching a lot of those shows, shows as well. So like high stakes competition drama is one of them. And then um, second thing, um, kind of like a very organic, but hopefully sweet romance. Because I feel like when I was uh, writing Up We Don't Want, I wanted like a very normal first friends and then lovers uh, dynamic between Sky and Henry. Because when I was reading YAS Teen, I remember being very like annoyed at instant love. Because I just didn't see him, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it happens to some people, but, like, I personally have never experienced it. So I wanted, like, a more realistic and organic, like, relationship in the book. Um, and the third one, a lot of Korean food and a lot of Korean music. Like, I definitely, like, try to incorporate, like, any of my books, and I try to incorporate, I, I try to incorporate a lot of, like, aspects of my culture into the book. Um, so, and also, like, you see, like, this guy and Henry going to Jimmy Bong, which is a Korean spa, and I actually wrote that scene in the, in the, in the Korean spa while I was in the Korean spa. <laughs> so, uh, and then so, and then they eat a lot of like yummy food there. Um, and also, like I also like um, listened to a bunch of K-pop while writing the book, and I and I asked my editor if I was able to reference like real K-pop songs, and then my publisher said yes. So. Like there, you can. There's like, uh, so you can definitely like keep a, like a, I guess almost a soundtrack of like different K-pop artists that I mentioned in the uh, book, and kind of like play along the songs while you're reading. So that's definitely something that the reader can do when reading Abido One. That's so cool. Do you have like a soundtrack available, like a playlist that you've made? Yes, I do. Are you gonna release it to everyone? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm like planning to release. When the book comes out. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, could you just tell everyone um, where they can find you online? Sure. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter as uh, Literary Lila. And online, uh, my website is lilaleebooks.com. <laughs>